0: This morning, we're continuing in this series. We've been working through the book of Acts, which is the study of the early church. And this is going to be a fantastic description of that early church. And with that in mind, I wanted to ask you a question to think about. What would you include on your list of things that you find critical or non negotiable? for what you would describe your ideal church. What would be on that list? Some of the things that you value or you hold high or hold dear. uh, We uh, could probably go around and, and share here. I mean, I'm talking about things apart from a really handsome, bald pastor. Besides that, what would be things on your list I would suggest if we polled everyone in this room, we'd start to see some trends because there's certain things for a Christ follower that we tend to all long for in our church experience, things that we would agree upon like, oh man, this, this is a must. We got to have this. We got to have that. Those are, are things that I think we all have inherently wired or hardwired inside of each of us. Well, this morning we're going to see the, have the opportunity to see this early church and some of the things that they had hardwired in them. It's its something that we're born with, I would suggest, or if we're in Christ, that we came to, to Christ that we're, we have instilled inside of us. In fact, I was reading this article this last week. It's an older article by Christianity Today. It's telling the story about these young adults over in Argentina that had this commitment to try to find the right ideal church in their community. And so they're in a larger city. And so they made the task of visiting every church in their surrounding communities, every single possible church to determine which church they wanted to attend. And the sad thing is they came back after that experience and said, Really, there's there's no church that kind of meets our our criteria, what we're we're looking for. In fact, that caused them to then wander from attending church. And this author found them because he he was really anxious to find out what was it that they were looking for? What was it that these churches were were missing? As they sat down with these young adults and they started rattling off this list of non-negotiables they were looking for in the, the church it was, they, the author said he found it fascinating because they perfectly described, almost in, in the same order that we're about to read, the Acts to church perfectly describe what this early church looked like, this church that was made up of of young believers that were recently filled with the Holy Spirit, that were passionate, passionate and driven by some certain things in the, their church experiences. So this morning, we're going to look at that church, but I want to just pray briefly before we do that, if you'd join me in prayer. God, thank you this morning for a chance to be together and already to celebrate you appropriately through song, putting the spotlight on you. And I Even think of the song, Good, Good Father, and that's exactly what we believe of you, what we've seen of you, what we've experienced in you. God, we ask that this morning you, as the good father, would teach us, you'd open our eyes to what this longing we each have, how we get there, how we push off the hindrances that keep us from that, God, that you teach us through this text, God, we pray. We'd be able to set aside distractions and that we'd be able to engage in your word, We believe it's still relevant to us today. God, we invite you now to teach us. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. So if you wouldn't mind turning with me, we're in Acts chapter 2, and last week we picked up a pretty big section, this week just six verses, that doesn't mean it's a short sermon, but it's a six verses there in Acts 2, uh, 42, we're going to be looking at this morning this description of the early church, but I want to give just a real ki- quick, for those of you that may have missed some, a recap of what we've covered so far. We re- really, this book captures the beginning of the church, but it ends with the life of uh, or time that Jesus Christ was here he lived the perfect life as you would know lived a perfect life but then died on a cruel roman cross didn't stay dead after 3 days rose again and literally after rising again spent an extended period of time with his followers training them building into them promising that when he leaves, he would leave them with his Holy Spirit. In other words, his presence inside of the believers. And so this story picks up in the book of Acts with him leaving, and then literally, as they wait for this Holy Spirit in Jerusalem, showing up with an amazing entrance. If you didn't get to hear that, you can check out that sermon online where the Spirit comes up and doesn't just dwell with his people, literally dwells in his people, And literally as the crowds gather to see what's happening, we saw last week that over after Peter preaches to them, over 3,000 people make the decision to embrace Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So 3,000, so this mini church of 120 all of a sudden jumps to 3,120 approximately. So if you have issues with megachurches, the early church was a megachurch. Let's be clear about that. So instant church there. And this, where we're starting to read now, is right after that, a description of what that young church looked like. Are you tracking with me so far? So that's what this description is here. Take a look in verse 42 of chapter two of Acts. This describes that community, and it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So then, just to be clear, when it says, and they, the the, the, they is referring to the 3,000-plus that make up the early church. So they're there, and it's saying that they're displaying the genuineness of their faith by the way in which they live. And you catch the word that says, and they devoted themselves. I would suggest if there's any word to underline in this section, that word devoted I would propose is key because you see there's a certain trend that happens. The things that we devote ourselves to literally have outcomes either good or or bad. You think about that for a minute. The things that would get our affection, our time, our energy literally have an outcome from those things that you're devoted to. Let me give an example. If you've ever seen the cover cover of a men's health magazine, ladies, sorry if that caused you to stumble. In in the picture, no one would look at the guy on the cover with a rock hard abs and think that he woke up one day looking like that, right? I I mean, if that could happen, that would be awesome, but it doesn't work like that. You see, that's the outcome of what? Man, his time and energy and steroids and, and all kinds of devotion to that effort in order to have that outcome. You see, that's just how it works in life. The things we invest in, the things that get our priority of our attention literally bear outcome, good or bad. Well, we see here some things that they were devoted to or committed to for specific things. It's not me guessing. Literally, it tells us right there. They were devoted first to the apostles' teaching. Now, in your notes, you might notice that I wrote the word of God because this idea of the apostles' teaching, what Jesus had told the apostles before he left, he says, teach them everything I taught you. So he's literally, they're, they're passing on the baton. They're passing on information, if you will, uh, of what had been instilled inside of them. Much of our New Testament is literally their teaching. And so that, that's why I, I use that interchangeably. And the reason I use it interchangeably is because how to apply it today is that if you're trying to parallel this group and things we should be devoted to, the word of God. Word of God. They were, they were committed to it. They were focused on it. And when I think about devoted, I think of the idea of putting the work in, right? When you're devoted to something, you put the work in, The put in the efforts. I, I end up in a lot of conversations with people where they'll say to me, you know, I'll, I'll listen to you preach, but, uh, but I don't really like diving into God's Word. It's too overwhelming. It's too intimidating. Don't, I don't really read it on my own per se. Here's what I'd suggest. I'm going to give you a practical suggestion. This, my friends, is one, a big Bible that's cool to carry around and impress people with. Two, it's a study Bible, The Bible like this, literally at the top of it, it has the scripture that you're reading at the bottom. It has an explanation verse by verse on how to understand it. So therefore, you are without excuse. There you go. That's my suggestion. You can pick up one of those for yourself. The non-leather ones are actually inexpensive. So that's a suggestion as we're trying to parallel maybe some things in our own lives of areas to be devoted to. God's word, obviously elevated. Moving along to the next one, you see it's our uh, last name at ABF, uh, fellowship. Fellowship, what, what comes to mind when you think of fellowship? Anybody grow up in church world and you had literally had a fellowship hall? Fellowship Hall was the ultimate room with with low uh, low hanging ceilings, linoleum. If you had a nice one, it had the dividers in it. Anybody have those that you could slide back and forth? I think we still have those in one of our rooms. I'm embarrassed to say. Uh, Usually, some nice beige paint. And what color punch did they always serve? Red, like bright, like colors of red you didn't even know was possible. Like this this punch. Usually, that's what someone associates with fellowship, which I would suggest is maybe fall short of God's design. Sitting around in a bad beige room drinking punch, you're like, I'm I'm thinking that that's somehow missing the mark, and I suggest that when we're talking about things we long for, that's not the description. I was listening to a a sermon uh, recently Uh, uh, by Francis Chan, and he was talking, he was describing a gentleman that had come to his church, uh, actually a former gangbanger that had come to his church and had actually made the decision to embrace Christ, made the choice to accept Christ, be baptized, His, his, his life was redirected, and then Francis Chan said he was surprised that after a short period of time, kind of stopped seeing him around church. And he's like, man, I wonder what happened to him. He, he ended up reaching out to him and the guy was real honest with him. He said to him, he said, you know, Francis, he says, I, I think it, I was just misunderstanding things a little bit. I, I think I was associating church with, his, like it was gonna be a little bit more like the gang, where you actually did life together, where you're committed to each other, where you had each other's back, where you do, do anything for them. And Francis Chan was saying, you know, that broke my heart that maybe the American gangs get a little bit better of the idea of what fellowship was supposed to look like than the local church. It's a sad account that w- literally when he describes the thing that they were devoted to, the word fellowship is actually translated to the word partnership, partnership. It's not just a attend church every once in a while. It's not a priester Christmas and Easter attendance. It's literally devoted to family. Heard Adrian talking earlier, referring to us as this. It's more than just an event. It's literally saying, I'm a part of this community. That was one of the things that they were devoted to, and it showed. I love when you get little glimpses or signs of us heading in the right direction with that. I was We had a men's event just last weekend, and on Saturday night, Sat around, and it was interesting because time flies when you're at those things. I was Sitting around, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, it's, it's dark out, and you're sitting around with a group of three guys. I only knew one of them prior to this very well, and as we're talking, we're, we're, we're talking and sharing literally for an hour plus, talking about ways we could improve our marriages. What in the world? That's Fellowship. Ladies, you should be happy about men's events at ABF when you're sitting around talking about like literally it moves from just talking about surface things like the weather or your bracket standings to talking about things that actually matter. There's clues that you're heading towards fellowship when conversation moves away from whether or not a player sits or stands and whether or not you where where your heart is, where your where your passions are at, where you're. At in your relationship with God. That's fellowship, all moving the same direction. They were devoted to that. It's hard to say that you're devoted to fellowship, solely attending. ABF services. That's one of the reasons why we try to set the table with so many outside things, whether it's life groups, whether it's e-groups, whether it's women's studies or hikes and eatings and senior adults playing dodgeball together. They don't do that. But uh, there's things we do to set the table for fellowship to happen here at ABF. That's part of our community. Next one he points to is breaking of bread, breaking of Bread, and sometimes you might see in Scripture when it talks about breaking a bread, it's talking about literally just having a meal together. It's also used to describe uh, participating in the Lord's Supper. Here, I would suggest it's being used for that description. Because why? Because usually, if you think about it, eating doesn't take devotion, but taking time to remember the Lord does. So some of us, as much as we'd say, yes, I'm devoted to eating, yes, but I'm suggesting that they were devoted to something more than that, and it's literally doing what Jesus said, take time to remember me. Make me a big deal when you're together. Point to, ha- have conversations, come back to me, literally taking time to slow down. Next Sunday in church, we're having communion here because we value that as an opportunity to remember him. That was one of the things that, practically speaking, they were devoted to. It says, also the prayers... Prayers, this is, uh, uh, when you read that, you're just like, why doesn't it just say and prayer? When it says the prayers, what is it talking about, the prayers? Two possible reasons for that. Obviously, the overarching sense is that they were committed to prayer. That's important. The prayers might have been something that was literally written prior to that, something that maybe a more mature believer had written out and noted down their express prayers. Because why? This is a group of 3,000 New believers. You ever be around somebody that's new to following Christ and ask them to pray? Pray. It's like a, a, a ghost all of a sudden. They're just like, what? I'm not praying. I, I've heard the fancy stuff you all say. I'm not doing that. Yet maybe, it's, maybe that's it when it says the prayer, something that's literally been written down. When we sing together, I see that as musical prayer. Somebody's taken time to literally spell out their heart towards God. Or it was when it says uh, the prayers that might have been this prescribed time of day that they would all go to the temple. At the beginning of chapter three, you see just glancing over there, it says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. So at three o'clock, they all met at church and prayed together. So either way, the idea is that they're doing this together, they're devoted, and prayer as we know, does take devotion. It's not something that you just stumble upon and you're like, oh man, I've got this awesome prayer life. I don't know how that happened. I don't know. No, are you kidding me? Like, same with the abs. Like, it's something that you put work into that gets you there, right? You put the work into it and done and community. I think we've gotten into this idea that prayer is just like this personal thing between you and God. I, I would suggest that initially God's design was for us to pray together. Remember the Lord's Prayer, our Father... Who art in heaven, not my father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's literally something where they're praying together. Part of God's design was a devotion to prayer. So these being things they were devoted to, that's the stuff that took some work and the outcomes of that is the remainder of this se- section. In other words, you have some things you're devoted to and then the rest You don't really have to work on, it's just an an outcome or a ramification of the things that we're devoted to. Take a look at this, and we're going to plow through those. This is is the longest, look at this in your notes, this is 12 points, and I'm going to get through really quickly. You ready for that? So, the outcomes, the first one, awe, the first one, awe, this is a word defined as fear or holy terror when sensing God's divine presence a terror or sense of God's depres- presence. You, you've maybe had that even in, in church, maybe during a worship time and the, the hair is standing up in your arms and, or maybe that choked up feeling when you're like, did the pastor write that sermon just for me? Anybody ever had that before? You see, God is at work and when his presence is there, there's a sense of awe. Oh. There's a sense of amazement, like, whoa, he's clearly at work here. It's the same word describing how people responded to Ananias and Sapphira. We'll get to later in Acts 5, when they kind of blew it, and people were like, whoa, like God's serious here. God's serious here. So that was part of the early church experience, was awe. That's a, a description, most of what I what I find encouragement. It wasn't because of Fancy buildings or fancy programs. It was literally because the presence of God was there that they sensed this awe. See, as it continues, it says, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So, miracles were another aspect of this. One of the ways that God validated his church in its early years was through the apostles continuing to do the same thing that Jesus had done. Remember, Jesus, what validated his ministry was he did all these amazing miracles. Well, the apostles or his disciples literally carried that on, the church leadership, and through that era, as the canon of scripture was being formed, God used that to validate or authenticate the ministry of these apostles. And so there, this early church are around this and being like, man, this is an awesome season. We believe that that literally came to an end with the apostles' life, the, the gift of miracles, but that doesn't mean that we don't still believe miracles do. God just changed how he does it. Literally, in James 5, it then tells them, it, it shifts from this era to the next, which we're currently in, to bring, if someone's sick, to do what? bring them before the elders, anoint them with oil and pray for them. That's what we believe is the design for miracles in present day. And we could literally, even in our church, we could have an open mic if fear wasn't a factor here. Uh, We could have an open mic and hear story after story. I bet you even in your family, you can point to, man, I can't believe God did this in our life. I can't believe he did this. And and story after story of present day miracles, he's still doing today today. I can't help but glance down at Gordon who had pancreatic cancer who was literally, they opened, can I share this? Is that all right? I didn't ask him. They, they opened Gordon up literally and, and said to have surgery and said, you know what? There's nothing we can do here. He's, it, it's too late. Literally upon praying and he's now stamped how many years now with no evidence of disease? six or seven years. Amazing. A a disease that was guaranteed to take someone's life. God literally healed him. We have story after story like that, even in this community. See, that was part of the early church. I would suggest it continues to be through the prayer of God's people, part of our experience. Then verse 44, glance down with me. And all who believed were what? What does it say there? Together together. That was a key part. It's th- this idea of a lone ranger Christian is not part of what the Bible describes. It might be part of the American culture, but it's not a biblical idea. Are you tracking with me? If you were part of the body of Christ, you literally did life with all the other believers. It wasn't just the on-the-fringe Christians just kind of every once in a while kind of checking in with believers. No, this was a, it was a full-fledged, fully in kind of a thing, and that's what God calls us to. And I don't say that as a means to guilt us, but I say it as a means of getting all that God designed for the church to be has to do with this together piece, So they were together. And then you see, it says, and had all things in common. What I love is you can hop on a a, a plane any direction and find a a bond with other believers if you're a Christ follower and sit down, have have a meal with someone else. I was in Ecuador this last spring and spending time with other believers there. It's amazing the immediate bond that you have because of Jesus Christ working and moving in your life. It's an amazing thing. This past Thursday, Stephanie Ross, who's one of the office managers here at the church, she uh, she was picking up some food for some of the volunteers on Thursday night with our new service that we've introduced, uh, which you're welcome to come try out. Uh, so Thursday, she was there at Vons, and she had previously met a lady that works at the. Anybody ever been to the Starbucks kiosk there? She'd met a lady that works there and made the connection that this woman was a follower of Jesus Christ. So she's, she's there and she sees this woman and the woman comes up to her while she's in the deli department and says to her, Stephanie, you know, the Lord's been telling me, been putting it on my heart to sing you a song from the Psalms that's really blessed me. Is it okay if I sing that for you? And, and Stephanie's like, uh, like here now? <laughs> she's like, Yeah. So in Vaughn's, right up here on the corner, this lady just starts, and she's like, she had a beautiful voice, just starts belting out into song in this psalm about Stephanie, and Stephanie's like, this is awesome. You see, that's the kind of bond. That you don't get at the health club, but with Joe Schmo that you've met a few times, like that's that's the kind of bond that only comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I don't know if that's a selling feature right now, or like, oh man, let me run while I still can. But the po- the point being, the bond that they had was clear. They had everything in common, and that led to something which I would suggest is one of the most drastic parts of this scripture or outcomes. And they were selling their possessions and belongings. You know, God is at work when our hand, our grip starts to come off of the things we own, right? That's definitely a clue that God's working in somebody's life. So clearly, the Holy Spirit's at work here. He starts saying, and a lot of people are like, is this like a communist group? Like, is this like they're all, all uh, equal? Like, no, this, this was initial extreme displays of generosity to accommodate for this early launch of the church. If you were here the last couple of weeks, I talked about this. A lot of these people that just freshly had come to Christ were there for Pentecost. They're just there for a holiday and they literally end up sticking around to be a part of this early church and what God's doing there. And so this is an accommodation. This is a, a, ju- a lifestyle adjustment. Assessing. I, I would suggest maybe some of us here could use that. A lifestyle adjustment. Assessing what do I have that could literally bless somebody else. What do I have? I had a, a an encouraging glimpse of this even in our church. I had a, a call just a couple of weeks ago. I had a, a gentleman actually that I've known. He's a newer believer even in our in our body in our family. And and he and he said they they said actually I had caught secondhand that he wanted to do this. He said he wanted to donate his car to somebody that maybe has need within our church. And I was like, which car is he talking about? Because the car that I've seen him have is like a, a really nice car. And he was like, he's like, you know what, I, I'm not, I'm not going to trade it in because I'm getting a, a newer newer car, but I just wanted to see if there's somebody in the, the church that might be able to be blessed by this car. And Cheapskate Me is looking online to see what this is worth. And I'm like, you sure you want to give that? Like, uh, nice pastor, right? And, uh, uh, but, but, but no, here's the thing. He literally is like, no, I, I just want to bless somebody with that. I just want to give it to her. So I was able to uh, take that myself. No, I'm just kidding. Uh <laughs> Direct that to someone in our church that could really use a car. Somebody's like, how do I get on that list? Well, we can talk later. But, but, but here, in all seriousness, man, isn't that a glimpse of God's hand at work in somebody's life? Anytime there's a release of things to others, that's a, that's a clue that, whoa, God's working here. And look what it says. It says, and distributing, sharing, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. That's the description that that gang member was longing for. A community that's like, oh, you have a need? Well, let's share. You have this? Let let, let me dive in. This community had teeth to it, you might say. Like, that, it it was real. It wasn't just talking the game. They were living it out. Literally, it had made its way into the very core, the fabric of who they were, because it literally affected the things that they possessed. I love other glimpses I see of that even in this community, people just doing a good job. And I, I'd suggest even it's not just, it's not just resources. Sometimes it plays itself out with time. I know my, my wife got a phone call this past week from some uh, a single woman in our church that was going into surgery, I was just saying, is there, she she was like, the, the surgeon said I, I I can't drive home myself, so maybe she's like, I was wondering, is there anybody that might be willing to drive me back and forth to this surgery? Adrian's like, well, let me just reach out to a few people. I'm tied up, but let me, let me reach out. She reaches out, and instantly she has somebody, I'll do it. I'm in. I'll, p- I'll pick her up. I'll take her back, too. I'll, I'll do the whole thing. It's awesome to see little glimpses of that in our community. Here's another. Can I share a couple stories? These are fun. So this was fun. There, we have a, a missionary named Chip not like Lays, uh, in, in Moldova uh, that, that's, that's serving over there. And somehow word got back of this orphanage that's over there, and uh, kids there could really use some bikes. That's a, a huge deal in, this, uh, in the, this setting, one for transportation, two for just being a kid, right? So there's a group in our church actually started with one family said, "Hey, let's raise a little bit of money." They they've raised together enough money about $1500 to buy nine bikes that this weekend as we're speaking are being delivered to this orphanage. How awesome is that? Chip's showing up with a bunch of bikes and then sharing the gospel message with these kids. Awesome to see God's hand moving. There's a one more a couple more. This was fun. I got a a message this week uh, from a friend of mine that I worked with back in Chicago that since moved from Chicago to now pastoring a church in Florida. Here's a picture of him there. He's like, he's like, hey, Scott, you, you won't believe it, but a few of the young adults from your church are here in Florida helping me rebuild our church that got beat up by the hurricane. Like, how does that work? I'm like, I, I didn't even know they were there. And, uh, and And so pretty awesome to see God moving and using even people, not just old, but young, all different ages. Here's my personal favorite. There's a kid in the, in, in our church. And I think he's 10, nine or 10, something like that. I'm, I'm just pointing this out. He started at his school. They were wanting to start a new club, and he started this club. This is just local here in the area, the Good Guys Club. The Good Guys Club. Here, here's a picture of the Good Guys Club. And, and, and here, the Good Guys Club have one mission with this club, is to try to serve and meet people's needs in the community. I'm like, are you kidding me? There, there must be something right happening in our children's ministry, right? And, and, and so this, this group, this past Thursday, instead of coming to the Thursday night service, which I'm letting them off the hook of, they, they, they literally got together, handmade a bunch of cards, and then went to a nursing home, just a random nursing home, not a Christian one, and started going around giving cards to all the seniors within the facility there. How cool is that? And they're taking applications. Anybody want to uh, join the, the Good Guys Club? And notice the one girl that snuck in on the far edge. I love that. So you might even be able to sneak in. But either, e- either way, point being is I love getting glimpses of the Acts to church even present day. And one of the biggest demonstrations has to do with whether we have a closed fist or an open hand on our stuff in our time, this was one of the outcomes of the devotion of this church. See, sees they were sharing. We'll keep moving just to finish up. And this one uh, uh, I've kind of touched on already, the seventh one, verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together. In other words, just because it was part of the early church, they didn't neglect the central gathering of believers. lot of people would be like, "Oh, yeah, the Acts 2 church—they just met in homes." Guess what? The Acts 2 church still came together for corporate worship. They made that a big deal. Imagine the temple then, with all of a sudden. Three thousand plus people coming consistently, like taking over the joint. Can you imagine? Like, who are these people, and why are they so excited? Why are they they're worshiping together? They're they're spending time together. That was a priority within the church was central gathering. And it says it was more than just gathering as large groups. It says them breaking bread in their homes. They were literally doing, I think the ones talking about communion here, I think is a, bit, a little bit more understanding that that's talking about having meals together. And literally, if I'm going to grade us on this, we do pretty well at eating. Anybody else agree with that, that spends some time at the church? We eat well together. So they, they were doing that, that. In other words, what the, the simplification of that is they let it go beyond just being church. You know, they weren't content with it just being this gathering. They're like, no, let's, let's get into each other's homes and spend time together and, and share a meal. Let's, let, let's do life together and not just play church, but be the church. They were hospitable, if you will. And that led to just the natural response that says they received their food with glad and generous hearts. In other words, they were grateful. They were grateful. They're seeing all this, even though they're selling and getting rid of stuff and giving away things, they're like, man, just grateful because things are working the way that every heart longs for the local church to be. In fact, the word I was looking it up this week, the word used for, it says glad and generous hearts, the word there is, is maybe better said as smooth but it would look weird if it said that, glad and smooth hearts. But the idea of smooth is this, that it's just flowing right. It's going the way it was supposed to. I don't, I don't know if this illustration captures it, but I, I don't know. At Thanksgiving, I would suggest there's two types of people. There's a person with the Thanksgiving plate that likes Every item separated on their plate, not touching. They prefer those plates that have the pre-cut things in them. Anybody fall in that category, don't like things touching? Okay, people are embarrassed now to admit that, but I know there's more of you out there. Then, then Then there's the other group of people like myself that doesn't care if it's all just mixing together. You're just like this works. I don't care if there's the that orange jello stuff touching my green beans. I don't the casserole. I don't care because it, it's all going to the same spot. And man, it just works well together. Anybody in that group? Okay, there we go. There's a. I, did I just get my first amen in church? And uh, <laughs> and, and here you think about that. I I just have this picture of this church. Maybe like a Thanksgiving meal. It's just working right. It's just it's just flowing. The things they were devoted to, it, it's just flowing. It's just working the way God's heart and design is for the local church. And literally, we're going to see here in the next verse, it wasn't just affecting them. And it says, that it moves from inside to outside. It says, and having favor with all the people. And having favor with all the people. In other words, Everyone around was taking notice, saying, what do these guys got going on that they're like, a, I want that. I, I want to be in a community that's got my back, that's meeting my needs. I want to be in a community that's praising God together. I want to be in a community that's authentically sharing meals together. Like the attractiveness of that, continuing with Stephanie's story in the deli. So she's there and this lady just finishes song. She ends up, I don't know how they parted ways. Well, the, the deli workers like, Tell me about this, this church you go to, this religion you guys have. Tell me about this. You see, there, there's something about that that somebody's like, well, I, I, want, I want that. I, I recognize that I'm lacking that. And literally, that's the picture that leads to one favor. And then finally, it says this, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This was the outcome of a contagious community. People literally saying, I I, I want to be a part of that family. I want to be a part of that community. I I, I desire that for myself. Literally, God was doing such a work through these people. He was doing such a bonding, such a unity, such acts of service that, man, it became contagious. And people are like, I'm in. I mean, I, 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 I want what they have, and literally he add, it says that he added, be clear on who's doing the adding, he added to them more day by day. That's the picture of the early church. Not an invitation to an event, but an invitation to be in a community. So what do you guys think? What do you think? Does it sound like a church you would attend? Does it sound like one you'd want to be a part of? Sounds like one you'd leave ABF for? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) What if instead of that, it's what if we became that church? What if that was a description of us as a community. I'd say there's a lot of things we have heading in that right direction, but I wouldn't say we're fully there. You might say to yourself, oh yeah, but that was, the, that was the honeymoon stage. That was like before all the hard stuff. That was before the lawns needed mowed and there needed to fold laundry and clean up dishes. Like that's the honeymoon part. But I would suggest, isn't that what we tend to go back to when we're trying to get ourselves recentered? say, oh, remember when we were still dating and we were doing all these, the, the goofing around and having fun together and enjoying each other's company? Isn't that the same thing we do in our marriage is we try to go back to the days when things were working right? I'd suggest that's the idea for us as well, going back to the same things that they were devoted to. And I would suggest also that the things that they were devoted to weren't that complicated four things, man. They're committed. It was like Sunday school answers. They're committed to, to fellowship, really doing life together. They're committed to being in God's word, remembering Jesus. They're committed to some things that, that we talk about every week, praying together. Those are the core things, and that outcome was amazing talking this week with Chad and we were trying to think of a song that kind of wrapping up this idea. We were reading the the, the lyrics of the, the, this song, this next one that we're gonna sing in closing. It's like, I can picture the early church singing this song. See when you listen to the words to it if you don't agree with me. Let me pray just before we do that. God, thank you for this chance to be together in your word. And this picture, this glimpse of the church that was fully led By your spirit, I was fully engaged in the things that they should have been devoted to. My prayer in my heart is that would be a contagious church that we'd catch fire from them. Pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Well, couldn't you see them singing that song? I for sure could. Well, congratulations. You just made it through a 16-point sermon. That's impressive. If I were to boil it down, it's one big idea that certain things we're devoted to, the things we're devoted to, lead to certain outcomes. Choose this week what you'll devote to. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.